The town of Port Arlington is nestled in a bend of the mighty River Barrow, and settlement has flourished here since the 17th century. The area was originally named Cool Antudre, meaning the tanner's nook, a reference to the tanning and leather-working industry that once thrived on the banks of the river. Originally, the land of Kulantudr was part of the territory of the powerful Odemsi clan. They controlled a large amount of land that stretched across what would become known as the counties Leash and Offaly. The family had grown wealthy from trading livestock, particularly horses, which they sold to the English army. As a result of their loyalty to the crown, Queen Elizabeth I granted 80 acres of land at Coulantudre to Owen McHugh O'Dempsey. They were further rewarded with honours and a peerage when Louis O'Dempsey was given the title Viscount Clan Malayer. However, the good relations between the O'Dempsey family and the English crown were broken when the O'Dempseys rose in rebellion joining the Catholic Confederacy Wars of 1641. These wars were a struggle between Irish Catholics known as the Confederates and the forces of King Charles I. However, this war was subsumed by the English Civil War that raged across the Irish Sea. The Civil War ended in defeat for King Charles I and his Royalist forces. And after the King's trial and execution, the parliamentarians in England sought to retake control of Ireland. Under the command of Oliver Cromwell, they inflicted a series of catastrophic defeats on the Irish Confederation. After the restoration of the English monarchy under King Charles II, the O'Dempseys paid the price for their rebellion and they forfeited much of their land. The land was granted to Henry Bennett, also known as Lord Harlington. Bennett was an upwardly mobile social climber who saw an opportunity to advance through the ranks of society by acquiring lands, wealth and titles in Ireland. Although he's unlikely to have ever visited the area, he gave his name to the settlement, Fort Arlington. He left much of the work to his agent, Robert Lee. And it was Lee who really built the foundations for the town to grow when he established the borough of Port Arlington. However, Bennett sold off his Irish estates to Sir Patrick Trant, who was a noted Jacobite, a staunch supporter of King James II. In the 1690s, the struggle between James II and William of Orange for who would become King of England devastated Ireland. Sir Patrick Trant remained loyal to the ill-fated James II and remained at the side of James when he fled to France following his defeat at the Battle of the Boyne. After the Williamite Wars ended with victory for William of Orange, the lands around Port Arlington were redistributed again, this time to one of William's loyal followers, Henry Massou, the Marquis de Rouvigny who was granted the titles Lord Galway and Baron of Port Arlington. He was a Huguenot and they were French Protestants that believed in the writings of John Calvin. 
de Rouveni, like many Huguenots, was forced to flee France when the Edict of Nantes was revoked. This revocation removed all the rights of Huguenots and banned all expressions of Protestantism in France. De Rouveni was rewarded for his service to William of Orange and was granted the lands around Port Arlington. He, in turn, distributed the lands to other Huguenot families that were fleeing France. And he had schools and churches established in the town. Huguenot settlers began to arrive to the haven of Port Arlington in large numbers. One of the Huguenot refugees fleeing France, Madame de Champagne, in utter desperation smuggled herself and her children out of La Rochelle in wine casks. They survived the journey to Falmouth in Cornwall before eventually making their way to Port Arlington. The Huguenots were extremely influential in the development of Port Arlington and we will hear more of their story later in the tour. In the early 1700s, the Williamite confiscation and redistribution of land was examined by the English Parliament and deemed unlawful. The lands around Port Arlington were regranted again, and de Rouveny was dispossessed of the growing town and lands. They were given to the Hollow Blade Sword Company, a syndicate of property speculators who bought large tracts of land across Ireland after the Act of Resumption. This act sought to restore the lands taken in the aftermath of the Williamite Wars. However, the Hollow Blade Sword Company failed and were forced to sell off all the land they had acquired. They sold the area of Port Arlington to Ephraim Dawson, a financier and banker. The Dawson family moved from Dublin to Leash, and they were eventually honoured with the title Earl of Port Arlington. The wealthy family commissioned the building of the stately Emo Court, located just a short drive to the south of Port Arlington. The Dawson family brought stability and prosperity to Port Arlington, and the town stayed in their possession for over 150 years. Over its history, many well-known people in Irish history have forged connections with Port Arlington. Woodbrook House, just outside Port Arlington, was once home to Knightley Chetwood, a very close friend of the author and satirist Jonathan Swift. It is said that Swift was a regular guest at Woodbrook and even completed one of his most famous works, Gulliver's Travels in the library of the house. Port Arlington's fortunes continued to rise in the 19th century and the town gained a reputation as a bastion of education. Many schools were established in the town to cater for the sons and daughters of the wealthy members of the elite. These schools prepared the boys for life in the military and politics and the girls for advantageous marriage. They offered a classical education and were very successful institutions until numbers began to wane in the later decades of the 19th century. Commerce and trade 
began to expand the boundaries of the town, bringing employment and prosperity as the town became known for milling and later for its large electricity plant. Today, Port Arlington maintains its strong connections with its colourful past. While wandering through the town, you can see echoes of the Huguenot settlement and view the wonderful architectural heritage of the 19th century. You may even catch sight of Jargonelle pear trees, which were planted by the French settlers in the 17th and 18th centuries. To begin your journey through the story of Port Arlington, we will begin in the centre of the town at the Market Square. The town of Port Arlington grew rapidly after its official establishment in 1678. It was planned by Sir John Rawdon. This market square is at the centre of the town and the four main roads into the town radiate out from it. The market house stands at the centre of the square. It was built in around 1740 and is a very good example of the fine Georgian architecture that can be seen throughout the town. Today, this former market house is being used as a garage. Fairs and markets were central to the economy of Port Arlington. The fair was held on the first Friday of each month, with the exception of Good Friday, as that was a day of fasting and rest. Market days were more regular and were held every Wednesday throughout the year. Fair days were very exciting occasions, and farmers came from the surrounding area early in the morning to sell their livestock. Cattle lined French Church Street. Horses stood to attention on Spa Street, and pigs were sold in front of the old cinema. So many animals came through the town that young girls were excused from school for the day in case they got crushed by the melee of human and animal traffic in the town. Another building of note that can be seen in the market square is the English church. This church was constructed for English Protestants that had settled in the town. The now disused building that stands on the site was built in around 1832 to replace an earlier church. This earlier church was built in the 1690s and consecrated in 1702. The building once had a tall spire but that was removed in 1924. The church was used in recent times as a badminton hall. There was no attached graveyard to this church. Parishioners used Lee Graveyard, located a short distance from Port Arlington. Also in the Market Square, you can see an old cinema called the Savoy. This cinema was once a thriving venture. It was opened in 1944 and replaced an older cinema in the CYMS Hall on Foxcroft Street. The cinema in Ireland in the early and mid-20th century was a form of escapism for many. 
It allowed people to live vicariously through the escapades of the cowboys in the spaghetti westerns, which were commonly shown in Irish cinemas. A tax was introduced in around 1949, which added an extra 50% onto the price of a cinema ticket. Fearful of losing customers, the management at the Savoy Cinema found an ingenious loophole in the tax act. If half of the entertainment shown at the cinema was live entertainment, the tax did not have to be paid. So the Savoy Cinema employed a pianist to play piano for two hours or more to an empty cinema before a film was shown, in order to avoid the tax. Eventually, the authorities realised what was happening and that particular loophole was revoked. The Savoy Cinema was a beloved institution until the arrival of television in the 1960s. The cinema saw dwindling returns and eventually closed its doors and turned off its projectors forever in 1978. When you're ready, please leave the market square and make your way to St. Paul's Church, which is located at the corner of Market Square and French Church Street. It is located directly across the square from the old market house. St. Paul's Church was rebuilt in 1857 on the site of the original church that was constructed for the Huguenot settlers in 1696. Some of the stonework from the original church was incorporated into the construction of this 19th century Gothic Revival style building. The church is surrounded by a graveyard with a number of headstones. The oldest of these memorials dates to 1737. The story of the Huguenots in Ireland began with the issuing of the Edict of Nantes in 1598 by the French king Henry VI. This edict granted the Huguenots civil and religious liberties in Catholic France. The Catholic population and Huguenots lived harmoniously together for over 70 years until King Louis XIV revoked the Edict of Nantes in around 1685. This declared that Protestantism was illegal in France, forcing hundreds of thousands of Huguenots to flee the country. Lord Galway or de Rouveny was one of those Huguenots, and after he secured Trant's land, he offered other Huguenot refugees shelter and civil and religious liberty here in Port Arlington. When the Huguenots settled here, the original church was quickly built and the register for births, burials and baptisms was opened by Pastor Jacques Gillet in 1694. The last entry in French was made in 1816. Those registers still survive to this day and are an invaluable account of life for the Huguenots in Port Arlington. By 1700, 
Over 500 Huguenots were recorded as living in Port Arlington. The majority of the male Huguenots that settled in the area were elderly veterans from the army of William of Orange that secured victory in Ireland during the Williamite Wars. These veterans were rewarded for their loyal service with a pension. They were joined by small numbers of craftsmen and traders who came from Lyonnais and Burgundy with their families and began to build houses. Soon the younger soldiers who had fought on campaign with de Rouveny in Piedmont and Flanders arrived. Some arrived with their young families. Others married shortly after arriving in the town. However, the dream of a thriving commercially viable centre in Port Arlington was never fully realised by these initial Huguenot settlers. A small linen factory was established in the town, but it never grew to the stature dreamed by de Rouveny. This lack of commercial success was probably due to the nature of the settlers, as a great proportion were elderly war veterans who were utterly dependent upon their pension. There were reports that some of the settlers in Port Arlington were so poor that they had to appeal to the French church in Dublin, the Lady Chapel in St. Patrick's Cathedral, for seed and cattle to help them survive. However, despite this initial poverty, the town began to steadily grow and within a few short years, the French and English churches had been established and two schools were founded in the town. However, dissent and discord soon broke out amongst the first-generation Huguenot settlers. A bitter dispute between non-conformist Huguenots and the Church of Ireland led to 37 families leaving Port Arlington and moving to non-conformist churches in Dublin. In 1715, there was much excitement amongst the Huguenot community that remained in Port Arlington as Princess Caroline of Ansbach, wife of the future King George II, donated a large bronze bell, silver alms dish and communion plate to the conforming French church. This was probably in recognition of the stance the congregation took against the non-conformists. The royal emblems were emblazoned onto the plate with an inscription in French that reads Evil be to him who evil thinks. The Lord is with us. Donated by Her Royal Highness Wilhelmina Caroline to the conformist French Protestant Church of Port Arlington 1st of March 1714 Although it is not clear when the church stopped delivering sermons in French, it is thought that the French church here in Port Arlington continued to worship in the French style for longer than any other Huguenot church in Ireland. Indeed, the town of Port Arlington retained French characteristics for decades after the first Huguenot settlers arrived. In 1795, Count Joseph Barilewski, known as the Polish Dwarf because he was 38 inches tall, 
toured the country playing piano recitals and recounted that he felt like he was in the middle of France when he visited Port Arlington. However, government commissioners in the 1830s remarked that apart from French surnames, they could barely tell the difference between the Huguenots and Irish. In the 1850s, the original French church was demolished to make way for the present church. Both the English and French churches continued to serve their separate congregations until the English church was closed in the 20th century. The French church now serves the wider Church of Ireland community in Port Arlington. When you are ready, please leave the churchyard and continue to walk away from the market square, down French Church Street. Stop before you reach the bridge and you will see a large, ruined building on your left. This fine structure that stands here today, known as Arlington House, was built in 1712 for Daniel Le Grand de Petit Bosque. He was baptised in Fichamp in Normandy in 1641. And in 1685, he fled France after the revocation of the Edict of Nantes. He moved to The Hague in the Netherlands, where he joined the army and rose to the rank of Lieutenant Colonel, before settling in Port Arlington with other members of his regiment. He enlarged the property on the site and developed a new extension. When Daniel died in 1737, Arlington House changed hands. During the 19th century, Arlington House became home of Reverend Wall and his family. They established a boarding school for boys in the house, teaching subjects like geography, logic, Greek, Latin, French and fencing. It was to be one of four boys boarding schools in the town as Port Arlington developed a reputation as a centre for education. In 1870, the elderly Reverend Wall handed the school over to his son Hewson and took up the more peaceful role of incumbent at Dysart Enos at the base of the Rock of Dunamace. The school at Arlington House expanded, but this success was not to last. The 1880s was a period of great hardship in Ireland, as the tenant farmers began to rebel against the establishment. Hewson Wall decided to move to England, and so ended the Wall family involvement with Arlington House, where they had lived and worked since 1839. Despite the absence of Hewson Wall, the boarding school continued under new management until it was closed in 1912. The building was given a new role in 1914, when it was opened to accommodate Belgian refugees who were fleeing the onset of World War I. Committees had been set up in Dublin and towns such as Port Arlington, Nace 
and Selbridge were amongst the first to offer accommodation and provisions to the refugees. The first refugees began to arrive in the town in November of 1914. By 1919, the last of the Belgian refugees had left Arlington House and had either integrated into the local community or had established themselves elsewhere. In the 1930s, Arlington House was used as offices for a business that provided suitcases and office files. This continued to operate until the 1980s, and when the business closed down, Arlington House began to fall into decay and disrepair. The building was given a new lease of life during the Dirty Old Town television programme in 2012, when the façade was repainted and the building was made safe. Today, the building still stands, heavy with the weight of its history and all the different roles it has assumed over the centuries. From a grand, stately residence, to a lively school, to a safe refuge for those fleeing the Great War, to a place of commerce and business. When you are ready, please leave Arlington House and continue along French Church Street until you reach the bridge. This modern bridge spans the River Barrow as it makes its serene way down from the Schlievebloom Mountains through Port Arlington and on through Monastreven, Athai, Carlo, Gregnamana and New Ross. It is one of the Three Sisters, along with the rivers Shore and Nore, as they flow out to the sea together at Waterford. The River Barrow flows for 192 kilometres, or around 120 miles, making it the second longest river in Ireland, behind the River Shannon. This bridge that spans the river is one of three that cross the Barrow in Port Arlington, and it was constructed in the 18th century. It replaced a bridge dating to the time of the first planned town from the 17th century, and some believe that the remains of this original bridge still lie on the bed of the river. During the 19th century, the river silted up to such an extent that cartloads of sand, the equivalent of a quarter of an acre, had to be built up around the bridge. Floods were a major problem for the residents of Port Arlington, and Dr Joseph Tabateau gave evidence to the Barrow Drainage Commission in 1885 that he had to attend patients in homes where the beds were standing in several inches of water, and he himself had to administer to patients while standing on a chair. Despite these unpleasant working conditions, he declared to the Commission that Port Arlington in 1885 was a wonderfully healthy place. The Barrow was a vital routeway in the town's earlier history. During the 17th century, there was a considerable trade in felled timber being floated down the Barrow to Waterford to be loaded into ships to England. Henry Bennett was so concerned about all his prized timber being cut down and floated away 
that he sent his agents to try to halt the burgeoning trade. If you have time, why not take a stroll along the beautiful River Barrow Walk? The walk links the main bridge over the river to the Spa Bridge and is a great opportunity to experience the wonderful natural heritage of this area. It has been rejuvenated by the local community during the 2012 Dirty Old Towns campaign. When you are ready, please make your way over the river, up Patrick Street, past the school and stop at the large cream-coloured building known as Kilmalog House. Though today it has been converted into apartments, Kilmalog House is an important example of the architectural heritage of Port Arlington. This house represents the Huguenot influence on the architecture of the town. Many houses built by the French settlers, including this house, were built with the back of the house facing the street and the façade of the house facing gardens where pear and walnut trees grew alongside vegetables, making the inhabitants almost self-sufficient. The cultivation of these gardens allowed the settlers to grow exotic plants never before grown in Ireland. A list of plants brought by a Huguenot refugee from The Hague to Port Arlington in 1722 includes asparagus, radishes, many types of lettuce, lemon and citrus trees, orange trees and turnip seed. This house was built in around 1730 and retains a lot of original features. Like Arlington House, Kilmalogue House was also used as a school for a period of time in the 17 and 1800s. Educated ladies and church clergy living in Port Arlington began to establish schools as a way of making money. They taught the French language and aspects of French culture. Children were sent from other Huguenot communities in Ireland to Port Arlington to be educated. Many schools flourished in the town throughout the 18th and 19th centuries. The schools were established not just for the Huguenot population, but also for the increased number of Anglo-Irish families that were settling in the town. From 1702 onwards, Port Arlington had been declared a Protestant town and this title attracted large numbers of Protestant settlers to the town. These settlers brought trade and commerce and the town began to develop and grow and expand outside the initial fort. When you are ready, please make your way further along Patrick Street and stop at St Michael's Roman Catholic Church. St. Michael's Roman Catholic Church was constructed in 1842. The large church and imposing tower designed in the Gothic Revival style were built to serve the Roman Catholic community of Port Arlington and it is thought that this church probably replaced an earlier church. 
The parish priest of Port Arlington at that time was Reverend T. O'Connell. He invited the Presentation Sisters to the town to establish a convent and school beside the church. The convent was founded in 1854, although records suggest that the Presentation Nuns may have arrived in the town as early as 1841. Gradually, over the years, the convent was extended with the impressive entrance porch added in 1906. In the 1860s, the Countess of Port Arlington, Lady Aileen, who was living at Emo Court, converted to Catholicism. She had a Roman Catholic church built on the estate at Emo, and she also attended Mass at the convent here in Port Arlington when she could. She died in 1874 and is remembered as a generous benefactor to the Roman Catholic Church and schools here in Port Arlington. The number of children attending the presentation school steadily grew and a new school was eventually constructed. The presentation sisters also established a secondary school in the town. Eventually, though, the declining number of novices joining the Presentation Order of Nuns led to the closure of the convent in 2006. When you are ready, please make your way back up Patrick Street and French Church Street, past St Paul's Church, back towards the Market Square. When you reach the square, Please turn right and walk down Main Street. Walking along the Main Street of Port Arlington, you can see faint glimpses of the 18th and 19th centuries in the style of the buildings that line the street. The buildings on Main Street were built in the Georgian style and feature subtle differences to the French-inspired Kilmalogue House. It is thought that Main Street in Port Arlington is possibly one of the finest examples in Leash that showcases the dignified elegance and proportion of classical Georgian architecture. As you walk away from the Market Square, you will see impressive Georgian buildings that were constructed in the early 1800s. Buildings of note along this street are the Catholic Club, which was constructed in around the 1820s and was originally used as a house, but is now a community hall. The Anvil Inn was originally a three-storey house. It was built in 1770 but extensive renovations were carried out on the building in the 1840s and 1970s. The architecture of the main street of Port Arlington is a testament to the town's commercial enterprising spirit and it too received a major facelift in 2012 when the local community worked together to rejuvenate the street. Shop fronts were painted Hanging baskets were erected, and the whole street was refreshed. 
When you are ready, please walk towards the lane on the left. Take this left onto Park Lane. Cross the road at the pedestrian crossing and walk through the car park to the People's Park. Please stop at the effigy or tomb that is located beneath a wooden canopy. The People's Park is a great amenity for all to enjoy. Within the park, you can discover a very interesting effigy. This is the tomb effigy of the Hartpole family. The medieval carving dates to around 1594 and was originally located in St Mary's Church in Carlow. The tomb was broken up in antiquity and was taken to Kilnacourt House in Port Arlington in 1875. The carving was known locally as Seanafika and the head of the carving, which is now missing, was recorded as being in the garden greenhouse of Kilna Court House in 1904. Some pieces of the tomb are even recorded as having been thrown into the River Barrow. Many pieces were recovered and the tomb was eventually moved to this location in the People's Park in around 2000 and placed on the plinth for all to see. The effigy, which is dedicated to Robert Hart Pole, is depicted as a knight. At his feet is a dog. Dogs were often depicted on effigies from this period as they symbolise loyalty and fidelity to the crown. The Latin inscription on the tomb reads, Here lies Robert Hart Pole, Constable of Carlow, more than a septuagenarian, he died on the third day of October, 1594. When you are ready, please walk along the park, heading south. Follow the link road to the right, and this will bring you to Main Street. Turn left when you reach Main Street, and continue walking until you reach a large two-storey house over a basement garage. Stop outside this house. The Elms is another example of beautiful late Georgian architecture. It was built in around 1789 and is considered to be one of the finest houses in Port Arlington. It is thought that Captain Thomas Stannis was one of the first occupants of the house. Both he and his son served as members of Parliament for Port Arlington in the 1800s. The house changed hands in the early decades of the 1900s, when the Odlam family resided at the house. The Odlams were a Quaker family that had diversified into milling from farming in the 19th century and began to establish mills in the Midlands. A large flour mill was set up here in Port Arlington in 1914. The Odlams did not live in the Elms for very long, however. 
Within a couple of years, they moved to nearby Kilnacourt House, which is the next stop on our tour. After the Odlum family left, the house came into the possession of the Sweeney family, who were a family of builders that specialised in the construction of churches. They purchased the house in the 1940s for £500. Today, the Elms is still a very large and impressive house. When you are ready, walk towards the roundabout, away from the main street. Across the road from the Elms, you will see another large building called the East End Hotel. Stop here for a moment. The East End Hotel was known as École Saint-Germain and was a boarding school that catered primarily for the sons of gentlemen. The school opened its doors in the early 1840s and the first principal of the school was Thomas Arthur. This school prepared boys for life at university or the famous British Army Academy of Sandhurst. The Arthurs lived and worked at the school for 20 years until they moved to Paris in 1860 to establish a private school there. The École Saint-Germain was then taken over by Reverend Dundas. A local historian had discovered that life was difficult for the principal in the 1860s as Dundas was twice ordered to appear in court over a charge of not paying for goods. Reverend Dundas eventually left the school and the building reverted to being used as a house. The Fisher family lived in the house for a number of years until they sold it and it began its new life as a hotel. When you are ready, please walk to the roundabout. Cross the road and you will arrive at the next stop, Kilnacourt House. Kilnacourt House is a beautiful example of Georgian architecture. It was built in around 1790 for the De Voyeux family. Sir Charles de Voyeux was a high-ranking member of the British Army and he had distinguished himself while serving in India. He was granted a title and a large pension and in preparation for his retirement, he acquired lands around Port Arlington and built this large, imposing three-storey over-basement house. However, when the house was completed, the family never came to live in it. Instead, upon their return from India, they established themselves in Britain rather than Ireland, and the house, which he had named Indiaville, was rented out to the Sands family. The Sands lived in the house until the 1860s. At that time, the house was leased by Reverend Rutherford, who established a school in the house. 
Advertisements were placed in papers like the Daily Express in 1860, promoting the school and the benefits of the area. Indiaville School devoted to the education of boys from 7 to 15 years of age. This establishment, by reason of its healthy situation and the mildness of its climate, is particularly adapted for children of delicate habit, or those born in the East or West Indies. Grounds most picturesque, 33 acres, baths of medicinal property from valuable springs on the land. The school at Indiaville did not appear to be a success, and a few years later, the house was once again leased out to a family. The Bowen family came to live at Indiaville, and it was they that decided to change the name to Kilnacourt House. The house changed hands again in around 1912, when it came into the possession of the Odlum family. The house stayed within the family until the 1960s. It was put up for sale again and bought by an American group called the Institute for the Achievement of Human Potential, which was an organisation established to help children with brain injuries. The facility that they had established at Kilnacourt House eventually closed down and the building stood derelict for a number of years. It was vandalised during this time and a fire broke out in the house in 2006 causing severe and extensive damage. Happily, the house has been brought back to life as a primary care centre for the community and now has an integral place in the life of the residents of Port Arlington. Port Arlington was established back in the 1600s and began as a fort protecting a small number of inhabitants. Over the years, it grew to accommodate French Huguenot refugees. And over 200 years later, it again provided a safe sanctuary for more refugees that were fleeing the horrors of World War I. Throughout the history of this fascinating town, there have been stories of economic prosperity and decline. Accounts abounded in the early 1700s of retired soldiers wearing their distinctive red cloaks until they were completely threadbare and struggling to survive on meagre military pensions. Despite this shaky start, Port Arlington grew to become a large and prosperous town in the 1800s and became known as a bastion of education in the Midlands. It never completely forgot its French connections, and this can be seen in the many anglicised French surnames that grace the shopfronts of the town. Recently, the local community have come together to rejuvenate the town and bring life and colour back to its streets. Today the town is again becoming a bustling centre of commercial activity, with many amenities for the visitor to enjoy. An annual French festival has been revived 
and brings the community together to celebrate their continental past and all things French. This festival takes place in July. We hope you have enjoyed this audio guide that leads you through the colourful history of Port Arlington. This audio guide was produced in conjunction with Leash County Council, Leash Partnership and Leash Tourism and was part funded by Leash Partnership through the European Agricultural Fund for Rural Development. Good night, Rian May the road rise to meet you.